Hi, welcome to the podcast where we do it for the love of it. I'm Kevin. And I'm Charles, and this is a sports podcast where we follow the best stories and events from across the global competitive landscape. Okay, so we're going to start it off with some amazing news. Tiger Woods. What? He wins? (laughs) He's back, and there's nothing you can say that would make me think anything else at this point. Yeah, I mean, from almost winning, what, the last two to... Like this? I mean, you have to think that he's back. Yeah, he was on the leaderboard of the last two majors, although only briefly. And this one, at one point, I think he had a five-stroke lead at some point on Saturday. Held on for a two-stroke lead today. Yeah. I mean, you got to love it. You got to love Tiger being back, and it's the best thing for golf. Yes. Yeah, like, there's <laughs> no question. There's, there's some golf purists that are like, I don't want to pay attention to Tiger. Who cares about Tiger? Give me some more... Jim, John, Judy, Joe. Yeah, exactly. Like, who else is there? Everyone likes to be like, what about Phil? What about, like, no one really cares about that. Tiger won. And if I roll through my Facebook, literally people I've never heard talk about golf ever are losing their marbles about him winning. Talk about, oh, four surgeries and he's back. Like, they're paying attention to someone in golf where they clearly weren't paying attention There could be good stories for a week or two. But there's no no story that brings you back, come, and, come back and come back to golf over and over again. I, I know for the mo- fact, most people around my age, a little bit, two, maybe 10, 15 years older, got into golf because of Tiger Woods. There's nobody else around that has that kind of effect on the sport. Well, 100%. And wow, uh, it's exciting to see him back. It's the uh, coolest thing I never thought I'd be a part of again. You know what I mean? Like... Yeah, I've I've written it off completely at the start of this year. I was just like, yeah, fine, Tiger's not going to come back, and you just got to deal with that fact. Yeah, exactly. You know, those surgeries do their, you know, have done their toll. Like, he's just going to kind of float around. He'll be around forever because, I mean, he's still young and relatively to golf years. Like, but he'll never be the guy. And it's great to see him now challenging and showing that he is capable. These injuries have done their toll but now he's adapting and surviving basically you know getting understanding these injuries and trying to work around them and it is really cool to see yeah so that leads to the big question the only really important question when it comes to tiger over under half a major next year uh i'm gonna go with over (laughs) i think he's definitely gonna get it i think he is going to be more focused and dialed in than we've seen tiger that you know this uh, the tiger that literally first stepped on the 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 course and shocked us i think we're going to see that level of focus where he's just you know walking hitting those good ones you know being excited giving us that energy and just carrying that into uh getting himself another jacket yeah, I'm going to go over to, admittedly, that might be a little bit of heart, but I'm going to be a bit more specific. I'm going to say it's going to be the British Open. Okay. Uh, it's at some course that they haven't played in 68 years, I think. So we don't know how Tiger will actually perform on the course. But I think uh, after seeing him, I think the British Open fits his style a little bit more. It's always a little bit better for the older players. He's not, He doesn't have the same power that Dustin Johnson has. I yeah. think uh, that's where it's going to happen. Okay, there we go. Um, hopefully we do get to see it, and hopefully you get it right, and then everyone can eat your shorts. 
Okay, uh, slide it over to my favorite thing in the world, the NCAA football. Okay, so a super exciting week. We're going to start it off slow and then ramp our way up. Uh, Texas beating TCU. Who is Texas back? Yeah, in a week of upsets, this was the one that begged the most questions. Yeah. I don't think Texas is back this year. But I do think this probably saves Tom Herman's job. Yeah, I, I'm guessing you're probably right. You know, it would be really good if it did, you know, manage to, I guess, settle him in. But realistically, it'd probably be better for them to move on from him. I don't think it's the best. Well, I don't he's know how best. much of a... Like, he's... This is only his second year at this point. Yeah, but... but it has been disappointing until this game. I mean, but the problem is, is you're Texas. Like, you have to be winning now. So find someone you know who's an established coach you know can win and go with that. Double down on that. You know? Like, I, I don't see the like, point in It does seem playing... odd that Texas... I don't know if they just haven't wanted to go for the big established name or maybe they just can't get it. Maybe it's like the Montreal Canadiens where there's just too much pressure to get like the elite coach, so you kind of go to got to go to that second tier. But when you think uh, Tom Herman, Charlie Strong, these are always like the third biggest names in the race, never the biggest names. Do you think the Texas can actually get the biggest name? I think they definitely could if they found if they went for someone, maybe someone who is. No, maybe on the rocks, maybe make a move for an NFL coach and offer him a little too much money, something like that. Like someone who's kind of on a downswing, but should, is capable, but, you know, should have stayed an assistant, something like, like that. I like that idea. That's not one I'd really considered. Like they keep going over the, the big name college guys from like Tom Herman from Houston. Yeah. Uh, Charlie Strong from Louisville. Maybe they should say, we're such a big program or such so all-encompassing. Let's go find an NFL guy. Yeah, I, I think it makes I think it makes the most sense. Like why would you not do that instead of like trying to battle in the and when you really don't need to. Like none of these guys are your alma mater, so what's the difference between going to the NFL and pulling down some of that talent who, you know, may have been overlooked or has been kind of struggled and now is an assistant and a head coach is kind of really what they want to be. So, I don't know. Hopefully, uh, Texas figures this out, and maybe this is a coach. Maybe I'm just being stingy, but I just feel yeah, like we're they talking can do quite it negatively about a team that did just beat a quality ranked team in TCU. So yeah, I mean, well, the problem is the problem is is there's a lot of high energy for games like this, and it can go one way or the other. Like it's not really like they're gonna continue this trend all the way to the playoff. You know what I mean? Like, this yeah, is, no, it feels more like a one-off, prove me wrong, but it feels more like a one-off than a consistent play. Like, if they were to play now Texas Tech, I feel like they would drop it. <laughs> you know, I, it's the, just... The super freshman, Terry Apart. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, I guess let's move on from that one to uh, a team that does have a coach that is the best highly coach. respected. <laughs> might be the best coach of all time. Um, Nick Saban and Alabama. Can anyone beat this team this year? No. 
Short answer. <laughs> Gotta say something else to make it interesting, but I don't. I agree. I don't think there's a chance. I mean, I, I, let's play devil's advocate and say Georgia's the team to do it. They, I just defensively, I don't know if they're capable of dealing with what Alabama is doing right now. Like yeah. it is remarkable how efficient they are offensively, defensively. They are firing on all cylinders, and I, I don't see them slowing down. They never have before. Why would they now? Yeah, this is a team that's got the traditional Bama defense. They had a little injuries to start the season. They're getting people healthy. And now they've added to it Tagovailoa, which who seems to be a true superstar quarterback, not like Jalen Hurts, who was good, but I wouldn't describe him as a superstar. Yeah, you know, I, I, I feel like he knows exactly how to get the job done. There's a reason why he is the number one, and right, like you, he is consistent. It's consistency is key. Like you still have Tua if he gets injured, so. Even if you were to drop an injury, you still have a quarterback that's capable of winning yeah. every game. They're, that's about as injury-proof as you can get. A hundred percent. So, I mean, it's it's not like it's riding on Jalen to be Jalen the whole time. Like, you're capable of having a guy step in and win it all. So, it's going to be super interesting to see kind of how it plays out, plays out near the playoff. Like, that's where we're really going to kind of see what team is which and maybe yeah, there's a sneaky point, the team we're missing the conversation is definitely who are the other three teams that are going to join alabama yeah and i mean if clemson doesn't win out clemson's not going to be in the playoff they should be but the it just strength of schedule every they team in their acc dropped off yeah you know what can they do like you and the Pac-12 like, looks decent this year. I think that's been kind of the ACC saving grace a little bit, is the Pac-12 has been clearly weak. Yes. So they've been able yeah. to sneak in. Yeah, but, so I mean, hopefully we see Clemson make their way in there because I feel like they're a team that can compete with that D-line, with that uh, offense kind of all firing on the same, like on those cylinders, on very capable, very athletic high flying in a way like they I just feel like if it's going to be a team it's going to be that level of team so I hope they do slide in yeah and of course these are one game playoffs and one game playoffs always lead to the possibility of some kind of upset exactly exactly so I mean hopefully we do see Alabama at least get shook a little bit by one of those teams in the playoff um let's slide over to Stanford and their big comeback against Oregon. Yeah, this was a wild game. I uh, had a busy day yesterday, but was able to watch bits of the first half, and Oregon looked so strong. I just yeah, assumed I, they were going to roll right through, and that maybe Stanford was overrated. Yeah, I only I managed to catch only a little bit of this game, and then I watched like the highlights because I thought you know what I saw for a minute was oh team getting stomped out, like go back to work. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I guess I was sorely mistaken about that. It, I mean, it all starts off with, like, you know, a, a high snap that kind of they scoop and score. And, you know, that wasn't the big thing that brought them back, but that was kind of a start of a turn. Like, it yeah, kind of so, shocked them. So often that little bit of momentum shift, that one play just... Yeah, and it, it, it made them play a little more conservative, like than they would, and that's really what did it over for them. 
And maybe so, that's part of it. Rookie, rookie head coach. Yeah, you know, like they settled down and they laid off the throttle and Stanford just kept swinging and swinging and swinging and swinging and swinging. And then all of a sudden, they're in a game. And then all of a sudden, you lost the game. <laughs> you, like it, yeah. it's unbelievable. And it's really cool to see. So good on Stanford for that one. Yeah, I'm definitely a little bit worried Stanford coming up. It was it was a wild game, impressive game, but it was also the kind of game that makes me wonder down the line. Maybe this team didn't quite deserve the high ranking they had. Okay. I'm going to let you do this switch because I feel like uh, you have to eat your shorts about me talking <laughs> about Kentucky. So. so, yeah, Kentucky won another game and not just the – a random team they beat. They beat Mississippi State, who was ranked 23rd in the nation, I believe. I believe you are correct. They're looking strong. And what stood out to me is their quarterback threw for like 70 yards or something stupid. This yeah. was entirely the 40 or so carries that Snell did. And I want to know, you're high on Kentucky. I want to know if you're high enough on Snell to consider him the Heisman favorite. I feel like by way of strength of schedule... They have the ability to be a team that does do what they do, as well as having Snell win a Heisman. You know, they're not walking over nobodies right now. They're playing ranked teams and winning. They are, I feel like, the real deal. As much as I thought when they beat Florida, I'm like, because they beat them well. It wasn't like a, you know... Uh, like it was a hard fought battle by both teams, but Kentucky looked really, really good. And sure enough, in this game, they looked really, really good. It's not a fluke. This team is a legit team to kind of punch some teams in the mouth. And, and I don't know if teams figured out exactly who they are, but they definitely have a running back that's capable of carrying the load. And Heisman, maybe. Yeah, at this point, he's clearly the Heisman. Like, if you were to just look at the first three games of the season, he's the Heisman favorite. Yeah, 100%. Um, my worry is, especially as a running back, you remember Leonard Fournette's last year where he was yeah. just killing it and then just had the one bad game against Alabama and everybody went, oh, uh, and then just kind of forgot it. Even though he didn't deserve to fall as far back as he did, he did completely fall off the map. Yeah. And I see... I see that possibly happening to Snell, where he'll have one high-profile game where he'll rush for 16 times for 23 yards or something like that, and we'll completely give up on him as a voting public. I feel like you're correct, and I think this is kind of like uh, the LeBron James kind of complex. It's like, hey, he's so good, he's the best, he's the best, he's the best, he's the best. He sits out a game, he you know gets a little banged up in a game. You know, He plays a game where he has a lot more assists than he did points or you know like something like that and then you're kind of like meh like LeBron isn't that good like that he's <laughs> Just, still the best <laughs> you know what I so mean short. if Snell has one bad game and that takes him out of winning at all it, it's crazy to me like if it's one bad game no like he that's should really still all win it. it was for Fournette which is why yeah 100% it was shows in my mind he played pretty well the whole season but he dropped in everybody's mind he went from first to like eighth and he and it, climbed up again, but he was only able to climb up to like third in people's minds. Exactly. And it's crazy because it's like they expect the best from the best. But the reason why you let him fall so far is literally because he's the best. And the best shouldn't 
It shouldn't do that bad. Like, and so if you're saying that yourself, he's like, hmm, he's, he's so good. that good. Why didn't he have a better game? He's that good. Just stick with that. Drop him two points and then have him fight back to win it all. Like, all right. and, you know, hopefully Snell is, I, I feel, I feel like I, of all the people I want to win now, I feel like it'd be Snell. He's, it's crazy you that Kentucky's Kentucky doing what you're doing. So you gotta, you gotta root an interest for sure. Exactly, you know, and it uh, for a team that's doing what they're doing, it's really cool to see that, and especially a running back come out of nowhere like that as well. And so Kevin mentioned we were going to start low on the upsets and build. I think we've built to the top now. Old Dominion University beats Virginia Tech. It, <laughs> I'm still just kind of like. What happened? Like I didn't even see that game. That's not that wasn't broadcast anywhere in Canada. We didn't we didn't oh, get a chance to see that not. game. Like uh, Old Dominion's the kind of team you expect to be when you're looking at the ranking of all 130 teams or whatever it is now. They're the ones that are ranked 128. Well, it's literally Appalachian State and Michigan. Like this is unbelievable. What a win! And, and like a shootout too. Like it was like 49, 42. Yeah. I think like, the last four, dri- they scored touchdowns on all their last four drives. And I think every single one was at least like a 75 yard drive. Like they're all it, long drives. You could not, I like, it, it's literally unbelievable what they did and good on them. I'm so excited for them. I hope they get to, you know, live in that one for a little bit. Hopefully carry that out for the rest of their season strong and yeah, get definitely some of those players when they're doing their normal jobs a few years from now will be able to <laughs> yeah exactly like that's the one where they get to be like hey yeah we beat virginia like i'm even not a play in the pros but we beat virginia <laughs> like that's what that's exciting for them and i'm one I'm week super we were on that. national highlight reels all over the place yeah like you get to now share a highlight video with your kid that shows you beating a team that you should have no reason of being involved with. So, Absolutely not. Number 13, was it? Uh, I think I, they knocked them from? Yeah, like, 13 in that area, in the team Like, somewhere. you beat a team just outside the top 10. You beat a team that could have been in the playoff. Not anymore. Great job. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, good good on Old Dominion. Uh, and I, you know... I, I hopefully those guys get to tell their grandkids about this forever because holy. Um, let's side over to the NFL on that note. And there was a little bit more upsets, I guess. Would you yeah, call this an again, upset? Yeah, once again, weak upsets both ways. I don't I don't think that we're going to start with the upsets. Yeah, I, Browns I beat start... the Jets. Yeah. Uh the first time in 644 days or something like that, the Cleveland yeah. Browns have won a football game. Yeah, and I, I, uh, I, uh, good on them. Like, I feel like the Jets are not in the stablest of points. Like, no, yeah, yes, I it's a good win and good for them. Even, and it didn't even feel like an upset, really. Yeah, it just felt like, you know, what is it like zero. Minus one beat minus two, like, <laughs> like it just was a weird one. But I mean, hey, the Browns won. Baker Mayfield was at quarterback for a little bit of that game and won the game for you uh, in a hard-fought game. Um, yeah, that's the big story. Mayfield looked really good. 
much like Darnold in his first game, there's absolutely no pro tape on this kid. But you got to admit, he looked really good in his first two and a half quarters of work. Yeah, and I, I just feel like it wasn't the Steelers. So, I mean, Tyrod Taylor should still remain the number one. I agree with that. It almost seems like there's universal acclaim that you have to put Baker Mayfield in now, and that makes absolutely no sense to me. It's the Jets. Like, let's be honest here. This isn't you stomping out. Like, if he would have went in against the Steelers, you would be talking about how Baker Mayfield should have never, ever seen the field yet. Because he would have threw seven interceptions. You're allowed to build and develop and grow a quarterback. You don't need to throw him in. As soon as you possibly can. Exactly. Like, he did well, as he should. He's a first-round pick. But that being said, you also don't want to rush this and then have him now, what, lose the rest of the season and be like, oh, man, Baker Mayfield's garbage. Get rid of him. He's Johnny Menzel. Like, it's not worth it. Like, have him sit back down. Tyrod will come back in. He'll beat the Steelers next time you play the Steelers. You'll be happy. Go from there. Yeah, we saw it already just across the, the field with that game that Darnold, from his spectacular week one, he's clearly regressed. Only had 165 yards, I think it was, a couple picks. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, I feel like the couple picks is inflated because near the end of the game, you have to take some shots. Yeah. Uh, but it's, I feel like he, he played, the game was a tough fought game. I think that's more what it was in that situation. Like, cause not even Tyrod did that well either. It was one of those games. Yeah, so he I wasn't don't playing well. Yeah. Like it was, it was a defensive game through and through. I don't think this says anything terrible about Sam Darnold unless maybe next week it's the exact same thing. But, um, I think it was just one of those games where it was trying to fight for every inch, every centimeter, every, little movement and Sam Darnold was going to have a little bit of a, it was going to struggle in it. Going to struggle. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Before we get into the upsets, I want to talk once again about uh, Kansas city and in particular, Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Through another three picks, uh, three picks, sorry. <laughs> Through another three touchdowns. I'm like, picks what? Of, I'm like, uh, I, I, are we watching the same game? <laughs> <laughs> Which keeps him ahead of Peyton Manning's pace when he threw his 56 touchdown passes, I think it was. Yeah. And I watched a bit of this game this morning, and it reminded me of, you know, prime Aaron Rodgers. When if you were watching it and you were cheering against him, you were just frustrated and angry because, like, this guy can't be stopped. What can we do? There's absolutely nothing you can do to stop this guy. (laughs) It's the truth. It's unbelievable how much he... Uh, I guess kind of blossomed in that period of time behind Alex Smith. Like, yeah, if there's ever a reason to sit Baker Mayfield, maybe you should have sat Sam Darnold. Yeah, what happens when you actually develop a quarterback. Yeah, when you take that time, you know, you have the film, have a good quarterback coach, you know, have an Andy Reid around, which is really helpful. That helps. Not everybody. You know, Andy you Reed. you develop really strong kind of senses of what's a good throw, what's a bad throw. I mean, this is hyper different than most, you know, this development is maybe a little bit different than... Yeah, you can't expect this to happen. Exactly. So, I mean, holy, Mahomes is for real. Let's just leave it at that. 
And uh, right now, I just, I'm going to keep calling him the best quarterback in the league until uh, <laughs> until we see um, what's his name Wentz really come back from that injury. I mean, he played his first game and got a win, so you know it's it's uh, it's going to be uh, the Mahomes show for now. We'll see. All right, let's get into the upsets we referenced previously. The biggest one, I think, the only place to start is the. Apparently, hapless Buffalo Bills aren't as hapless as I thought they were. They yeah. crushed the Vikings. Yeah. Um, I feel like this is more testament to how shaky the Vikings are <laughs> at the moment when everyone thought it was like, get Kirk Cousins and you're going to win because Case Keenum doesn't have the arm. Like, they looked I just... really good the first couple weeks, I thought. Of course, of course. I mean, it's but the problem is, is it's just not a sure thing. Kirk Cousins isn't that quarterback. He isn't the quarterback to throw a million yards for a million touchdowns. Well, he is the, that's all the you're quarterback missing. that throws for a million yards, but well, he doesn't tend to throw for a million touchdowns. But I mean, like, if you throw for a million yards when you're on the Redskins and you're down every single game, like, yeah. it's... Like, he threw for 296 yards, but it took him 55 attempts to get there. That's exactly. Like, he is a, he's a middle-of-the-pack quarterback. They, he was not the the problem solve that everyone imagined him to be. He's a slight upgrade from Case Keenum. So, but also now you don't have the chemistry of Case Keenum. So it's going to take a little bit before you really iron out all the kinks. By the end of the year, I feel like they're not going to drop a game like this to the Bills. But early on, it's a time the Bills, you know, had the chance to jump on it and did. <laughs> Keep themselves from embarrassing themselves, Cleveland Brown style. Yeah, and Detroit Lions style. Like it's, yeah, it's way better for them that they get this W. I mean, you get to see uh, what Allen hurdle someone. You get to see some excitingness, but yeah, don't think anything weird. of it. They're going to be a team that wins maybe three to four games, and yeah. A couple other upsets. Titans beat the Jags. Washington beats Green Bay. Any strong feelings for these? Okay. Um, my Washington Green Bay one I'm going to go with first. Washington is a really good team with Alex Smith. But they are also not anywhere near as talented as the Vikings. Like, it's not, they don't have the receiver core. They don't have the running game. It's it's more that Alex Smith is so capable of making great decisions. And his ability to run allows an older Adrian Peterson to really establish himself. I think he had two rushing touchdowns. Yeah, 120 like, yards, I think it was. Something, yeah, like, something well you, you don't realize how dynamic Alex Smith is and what he really allows your team to do. Like, he's and Adrian a really Peterson, good quarterback. At least for now, is a huge help. You think I would have learned my lesson when I doubted him when he got drafted? Um, and I kept doubting him. But I Adrian mean, well, Peterson, it was fair when he was he with San Francisco, bad. and then he was decent, then good, then decent, then good, and then bad, then good, then decent. Like, he is a good quarterback now. He's, you know, ironed all the kinks. He's a lot smarter. He's, old, you know, an old man now, and it, he is doing exactly what he was hoping to be doing there. So I hope they can kind of keep this kind of snowball effect. But, I mean, I don't think they have the horses to get, like, a, the real job done. But 
I mean, if they show a lot of good things, hopefully maybe the management will take a risk and make some wild trades and try to get, you know, a receiver firm or something. So with um, the Titans Jaguars, do you just chalk this up to when Blake Bortles is your quarterback, you're going to lose a couple games like this? <laughs> yeah, I, I feel bigger? like, I feel like, yeah, that's the case. Um, Blake Bortles, I mean, you played a game that was rest. It was really hard fought defensively, but your defense against the Titans, not. <laughs> yeah, they kept uh, Mariota at offense against yards the passing. Titans in defense, like. They were not th- that talented, and you just—it just looked like he was uh, like flabbergasted by this amazingly talented. I mean, they have statistically the worst corner in the league, um, like it, with Butler. Like it, it's just beyond me. Like what? How did you not at least win? Score a touchdown. And that's I think Jacksonville's fatal flaw is this can always happen, and in the playoffs. Like, they're a really strong team. I really like Jacksonville. Yeah. But when your offense can lay an egg like this, sometimes you're just going to you're gonna be out of luck and it just takes one. And uh, suddenly a Super Bowl-talented team isn't going to make the Super Bowl. 100%. And I think it's a big part of it is that um, they were a little too high on Blake Bortles. I think they could have made Especially after a- last week. Yeah, I feel like you could have made a move for, like, an Alex Smith and probably won a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, they should have went with an older quarterback who didn't have much left in the tank. Win it. Maybe one of the Vikings quarterbacks that they gave up. Yeah, or maybe. But I feel like like Alex Smith was a better option. Like, if they would have made a move for Alex Smith, like, got rid of, I don't know, you name it, maybe a receiver or something like Allen or... I think it was Allen or the other one. I don't remember his name. The older two, Robinson. Yeah, Robinson and uh, yeah, I'm spacing on the name as well. Yeah, like <laughs> like push one of those two out the door. But I mean, they're gone now anyway. So I mean, what do you like? I just feel like that would have made a lot of sense. I know, of course, you just won, and now you're hype on Blake Bortles. But you can't let like the it's a business, and you have to realize that he's not good for your business as a consistent quarterback. Why not, not make gonna, a move? I'm not going to overreact too much to this. I think no, the, of course. The, the weakness that I said before that one bad game will kill you in the playoffs definitely exists. Yeah. I still think this is a strong team and a potential Super Bowl. Oh, of course. But I feel like it could have been a sure thing if they would have found a consistent passer. Because Blake Bortles... I. I don't know. Like, I think your defense is good. I don't know if they're Ravens 2000 good. So, I mean, if they are, then yeah, you can win it. But, yeah, I don't know. I I don't like that loss, especially to the Titans. I want to finish up with uh, what kind of a flabbergasting story. The fact that the Houston Texans are now 0-3. Yeah, I'm, it's kind of a head-scratcher. I mean, I mean, when you start off against the Patriots, like you expect to kind of drop that. They did a great job against them. You thought maybe the next week it would have been, you know, them high-flying and doing exactly what they did last year. Never happened, and now you're coming to this game. Same story. Like, what and is like, kind of the problem the there? The Giants aren't a strong team. I don't think we're expecting anything from them. 
I, I just feel like their defense is kind of overrated now. It's quite possible. Obviously, the, the showy part of this loss was the fact that Deshaun Watson, in addition to throwing for 385 yards, his 36 yards rushing was more than the rest of the team combined. Yes. And I... They need a running game. They really did. They needed that last year as well. Like, it was Deshaun Watson running, Deshaun Watson throwing, Deshaun Watson running. Like, it's... You can't do that in the NFL. Like, it's only a matter of time until your quarterback gets banged up. And you don't want this to be a consistent issue. So, why do you not... Like, Alfred Blue is still there. Is he not? Yeah. Yeah, like, Lamar Miller's their starter, but Alfred Blue was their leading rusher today. Their leading rusher among running backs with a whole 13 yards. Yeah. You know, and I feel like Lamar Miller, yes, that was a good move last year. But I also think they also gave him too much money and too long of a contract. Like he might be done already. That happens with running backs. They can be ex- done. Exactly. Really. And I, I feel like yes, he is a good running back. Oh, you know, smart, uh, you know, athletic, but he had a lot of years under his belt already. You should have gave him a shorter contract, maybe two years. Hey, prove to us and we'll give you the big money or like a longer, you know, another two years, but everything's guaranteed or something weird. But like this, I don't know. Uh, they need to yep. find some sort of rhythm back there because if they don't, this is going to be the case. Yeah, you don't see very many teams start 0-3 and, and get it back together. Yeah. You know, and I feel like this isn't real. I, I mean, I also don't like their head coach. I think they should have extended his contract. I feel like of all the coaches in the world. Yeah, you were strong on that. Two, even last year when they were having success, I remember you saying less than positive things about Bill O'Brien. I think Bill O'Brien is one of the worst coaches in the league. And the fact that they extended his contract like that is beyond me. I just think... You had a bunch of talent, and they were successful. Why extend his contract when you lost it and you didn't look like you were coached well at all while they were gone? Like, if you looked capable of coaching a team whilst they were injured, of course you're not going to win everything or win maybe anything when you lose your quarterback and your, um, you know, your... your what Star is it? defender. Uh, your star defender. But... You you really have to show that you're capable. And he never showed that he was capable up until Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson put on a whole bunch of a show. Of course, woohoo, woohoo, woohoo. And then now <laughs> you get him back and you're in the reality of everything. And now you're out of your honeymoon phase of, Desha- of Deshaun Watson. Where he is a capable quarterback. Very capable quarterback. But now you're not running the ball well. You're not doing really anything well. Like... Yeah. What do you yeah, do? You get a coach bad, who can coach this. But it's you don't have it. So, I mean, hey, Bill O'Brien, I feel like you shouldn't have a job right now, and this is only proving it, so hopefully you get fired. <laughs> I think I would agree his seat is the hottest of any coach in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, you shouldn't be losing with talent like this. Um, okay, so that does it for the NFL. Uh, you know, it always takes up the most amount of time. um i guess we're sliding into a whole bunch of kind of little stories and uh then we'll get into the cycling which you love so much so let's start it off with uh carlson 
being traded traded to San Jose. For nothing, for peanuts. We we expected this trade months ago. I'm I'm still shook, but that he couldn't trade him for more. But I think they knew that Carlson was not going to play at all. I think he made it very obvious that he was like, I'm not touching the ice for you. I agree with that, but with a player like Carlson, theoretically, you should be able to create some sort of bidding war. And when you look what they got, like, Timo Meyer was not part of this trade. Thomas Hartle was not part of this trade. They got three of the players they got in the roster I'd never heard of. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like, why was there not more teams kind of interested in this guy? But I think he also said that he wasn't going to hang around anywhere, but... Certain teams as well. Like, when you I think look it was at some Tampa of the, Bay. Yeah, when you put the, the conditions on some of the draft picks, there was one particular draft pick where if San Jose were to trade him to an Eastern Conference team this year, Ottawa gets a, another first-round pick. Yeah. And to me, that makes me think that clearly Ottawa had no intention of trading him to a, an Eastern Conference team. Yeah. I, and I think... Ottawa's going to be terrible this year. Why do they care where Eric Carlson's playing? I don't know. I feel like so it's... You're, you're cutting your potential, like you mentioned Tampa Bay. My guess is Ottawa was not trading to Tampa Bay at all. And yeah, no, because they didn't have the capital. Better, better offer. Yeah, they didn't have the capital. So there's no way that was happening. Um, I don't know. It just seems kind of crazy to me that this is where it went. But, you know, good on San Jose and odds are they can, you know, get the job done with this player. Yeah. If you're a Senators fan, you got to be really pissed. On the flip side, if you're a San Jose fan, like you, San Jose, Nashville, Winnipeg, those are three real good teams to get out to the final. But I mean, you couldn't be more excited right now. Like, yeah. it's crazy. Uh, I thought, you know, maybe even the Oilers would make a move or something, but it seems like no one else rumors, did. But- when you look at the offer, I can't imagine that anybody else did. Cause yeah, that's what I mean. Like It seems like literally nobody did. Very strange. Okay. Uh, strange story to strange story. I want to talk about uh, Jimmy Butler and his various demands and the various beefs that came out of his demands. Okay. So Jimmy Butler apparently doesn't get along with Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins and wants out... He declined a four-year, $110 million extension earlier in the offseason. Yeah. And we're just hearing now he has been demanded to be traded, but he traded specifically to the New York Knicks, Brooklyn Nets, or the Los Angeles Clippers. I'm so confused by where he wants to go. He clearly wants to be the star of the team. Otherwise, the Lakers would have been on that list as well. He wants to be the number one guy. He obviously wants to be in a big media market. Yes. And he clearly doesn't care about winning. Yeah. And that's why I'm kind of shook. Like, but the Knicks are on there. Like, the Knicks are yeah. a Kristaps Porzingis team. So, what? Yeah, I guess maybe he does. Uh, Porzingis is going to be hurt this entire year, I believe. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's uh, true. So, maybe he thought, I can come in for a year and really establish myself as the star. But I it guess. seems like the Clippers are his number one preferred team. Yeah, and I mean, I guess that makes sense, that being that they got rid of all their star power, and it is still L.A., but, like, I don't know. I feel like 
even the Clippers being in LA is still a small, it feels like a small market team. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be overshadowed. I'm not sure if he's heard of this, but a fellow named LeBron James showed up in LA this year. Yeah, like no one knows who I you are anymore, Jimmy Butler, story. if you're in LA. Yeah. Like, why it's... not win with him? Like, why not win one? I, I'm so shook. Like, you were with a very talented team. I guess you didn't get along with them. So now go to the worst team in the league and never win anything and hopefully get paid. Like, I feel like teams have a lot of capital to go to a mediocre team. It makes no sense. Yeah, like, there are teams that are middle of the pack that you could really help out that, you know, maybe take that. You know, and you probably could still even get a max contract or something out of it. Like maybe say go to the Pelicans or something like that, a team yeah. that try to get over the edge. Yeah, a team that's like on the cusp but lost, you know, some star power, so you slide in there. But I, I don't, I, I guess I'm kind of like weird about like players who want to go to a team where they can be the superstar after the Kyrie thing. Like it just weirds me out. Clearly, that, that's just the way some people are made out. We saw it, like you mentioned, Kyrie. That's a perfect example. He's with the best player in the world. That, to me, seems like the best situation. Yeah, and but I also don't understand, like, so you leave so you can be the guy, and now you want to leave Boston because the coach is the guy? Like, what? <laughs> like, I'm so, I don't know what to say about that. Like, it's just so weird. He wants to join Kevin Durant and play with the Knicks. And then Butler will want to get traded from that team. Yeah, like I'm, I'm just so, I'm just so confused. Like, what is happening? What? When did it become? I don't care about winning. I just want to be the guy. Like, what? Like, go to a team where you can win, and then after that, you can go to a team where you get paid. Like that. <laughs> that makes more sense to me. Yeah, I'll never criticize anyone if their primary goal is just take the biggest contract. Yeah. Because that can be, like, generational wealth. I'm never going to complain about a player going, I want five more years, I want, you know, five million more dollars. Even though you're already rich, that makes a huge difference. I yeah. I never criticize that. But I, I don't understand why you, like, it, this isn't a money thing. Pretty much every team he goes to is probably going to offer him a very similar four-year, $110 million extension. Exactly. So, but he what, just wants to. Does he want to just party in a great party town? Like I don't understand it. It, it, it. To me, this is just the most head scratching decision by a player I've seen next to Kyrie Irving. <laughs> so it like, hasn't been that many years, but yeah. But like Kyrie, to me, was like because I was like, why do you want to leave LeBron? Well, I guess maybe you don't like LeBron. Well, that didn't kind of seem to be the case. I mean, of course he had it out, but it was nothing really crazy. And then it was just like, yo, I want to be the guy, so I'm going to Boston. It's a big market, and I want to be the guy. And then, you know, you turn over your ankle, your team still wins, and you're like, nah, I need to leave this. Like, (laughs) what? So you're just like, like, I don't, I'm just so, this weird thing that's happening now is just so weird to me. And I don't think I will ever understand it. I mean, the reason why Kyrie Irving has a shoe deal is because of LeBron James. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) you were playing for the Cavaliers that were never going to win. You were going to be nobody. Yeah, you were winning like 19 games a year. Yeah, like you now are somebody because of LeBron James coming there. And now you get a shoe deal well before maybe you ever would have had one. 
you know, now you like, so why leave that to like, it, 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 I I don't know. Like, I'm just shook. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I guess strange stories will be strange stories. Yeah. Especially in the NBA, which seems to be the king of these strange social media stories. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sliding over to cycling world championships. Yeah, we're just at the beginning of the World Championships week, taking place in Austria this year. Uh, we had the team time trial earlier today with uh, Canyon Schramm uh, taking that on the women's side and Quick Step taking that on the men's side. This will be the final edition of the team time trial. They've decided to retire it from the World Championships. Um, and... To be frank, I don't really care. (laughs) It's a nice event, but uh, there are like two or three teams that can win for both for men and for women. Yeah. And it's, it just, that's a really strange tone because every race from now on will be under national flags. Okay. This first race is under your team flags, like your club team flags. So it's always just been a weird clash. Yeah, no, this is... Okay, so what? Why are they under club names when it should be... What? It, it has something to do with you know, team time trials. You need to you need to work together, and theoretically, even though, like, 15 of the 22 club teams probably don't actually work on their team time trial more than once or twice a year, uh, theoretically, you need to work on it, and you need... And that's just something that a national team that just kind of gets together right at the end of the year can't possibly do. Okay. But most teams don't do it anyways. Yeah. So that kind of hurts the logic. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's a As weird thing. As you can thing. see, that's why they've retired it. We don't know if they're going to replace it with something. Okay. Uh, theoretically, they could replace it with a world, like a country's team time trial. Okay. That seems unlikely to me. I did hear one solution that I do like that probably isn't going to happen. But apparently, a long time ago in the past, they had a, rather than the team time trial, which is normally in the 50 to 60 kilometer range and is ran by eight to nine people. Yeah. There used to be a hundred kilometer team time trial with only four people that has been described by the people who race it as the hardest and most arduous test in cycling. (laughs) Okay. Absolute hell on the bike. So I, if I had my choice, I would say you bring back national teams and you make it a four-team, four-person, 100-kilometer team time trial, and I would absolutely watch that. Okay, and, like, so that seems kind of like a big jump and crazy to me. <laughs> kind of like, what does that prove, I guess? It's just, so much of cycling is simply just suffering, and who can suffer the best? Uh-huh. Like, there was a, Lance Armstrong would say... Uh, he'd look out in the window, he'd throw his window open in the hotel room, and if it was raining, he would smile because he knew it was going to be a terrible day and nobody could suffer like he could. Okay. And to me, that that line is just stuck in my head as of what cycling is all about. It's all about just hurting more than your opponent can hurt. And this race seems like a per- that style of the four-man, 100-kilometer team time trial just seems like the perfect way to, to just show that. Show that writ large. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm, I'm, it seems kind of crazy to me, but I guess if there was some crazy NCAA... Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, but... 
hundred <laughs> like like if there was March Madness but for football, like I'd be all in. <laughs> like that's what yeah. this kind of seems to me like it's just like no such thing as too much go crazy and let's go you know yeah all right so let's get into the cycling that people actually care about uh so the team time uh this except for the team time trial the rest takes place in the next week so we're going to do a bit of a preview here okay with the time trials um, can anyone beat the two Dutch superstars, Annemiek van Vluten on the women's side or Tom Dumoulin on the men's side? I feel like van Vluten, uh, I feel like there's nobody. Like, she is unbelievable. That, that time trial in the Giro to really cement her pink jersey win was, I think, probably the most spectacular day of cycling we've seen in 2018. Yeah, like, I feel like when you, the way she separated, the way she dominated i feel like that's kind of like hey i guess i'll see you guys on the podium on the next event and the next event because i'm that good (laughs) yeah so she has lost one time trial this year uh that was the dutch national time trial championships where clearly she was just had an off day and she finished fourth except for that she's won every single time trial this year and i agree with you there is no chance she's going to be beaten I know, I, yeah, I feel like it's going to be literally her just taking the boots to everyone and <laughs> laughing the whole way through. Um, but uh, Dumoulin. Um, yeah, so he was extremely impressive last year, uh, but he has had a hard racing year this year. Raced both the Giro and the Tour, finished both of them, finished high up. That's a lot of miles in the legs. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I'm like, I mean, he's raced a lot, a lot. So my guess is he's got to be a little vulnerable. But who knows? Maybe he's the Iron Man. Maybe we're just underestimating how durable this human being is. Yeah, we've certainly seen it in cycling on the men's side that team uh, world champions often stick around for a while. You had Tony Martin recently, four-time defending champion. Cancellara and Mike Rogers in recent memory, three-time defending champions. It does, they do tend to have a bit of a longer shelf life. But if I was predicting, if I was putting money down, I would actually bet on Rowan Dennis this year. Um, he looked so strong in the two Vuelta time trials. Uh, yeah. Tom Dumoulin sat them out. I don't. I think it's it's going to be close. I'm certainly not ignoring Dumoulin, but I yeah. would put my money on Rowan Dennis. Okay, well, you heard it here first, folks. Rowan Dennis, put your money on him. <laughs> like, I don't know. It, it, it To me, I feel like it seems silly to bet against Dumoulin. And I feel like maybe he is, like, low-key Iron Man. So I'm going to go with Dumoulin in this one. All right. So let's move on to the road races, which are always, always much more difficult to predict. And let's start with the women's race, where the Dutch have just an incredibly strong team. Whether it be Annemiek van Vluten or Anne van der Breggen. Or um, the uh, reigning champion, Black. Can anybody beat the Dutch? Uh, I feel like no. I'm going to go with no on this. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's as simple as that. Yeah, it's... The road races are, like, we ever see every once in a while, those strange winner, the out-of-nowhere winner. 
So I would never say 100% the Dutch are definitely going to win, but they have such incredible strength. And uh, Van der Breggen, we talked about her when we talked about the Giro Rosa. Yeah. She decided to sit it out, specifically because she had won the Rosa before and she'd never won the World Championships. This yes. has been her absolute 150% focus the entire year. And I see, I think the the terrain, it's a very hard race this year. I think the terrain is perfect for her. Unless Van Vluten, who has been simply the best rider all year long, can uh, shake that her. up. And they are teammates, which kind of messes with it. I think um, Van der Bregen is... Uh, I don't know. I feel like uh, you kind of have to think that Van Vluten would default because she has put everything into this. Yeah, but maybe Luton's I'm crazy. Had an amazing year, but I don't know. I f- I feel like this isn't a Garrett Thomas type thing. I think this is uh <laughs> I think this is everyone's in the corner of the person who put everything into it to win this exact event, you know? Yeah. So why like I, I feel like Van Vluten is a teammate that would 100% take a back seat, even if it meant, you know, not. Yeah, and the Dutch team, they are, they spend their, they spend a lot of time together. They're very close. And we, like, we saw last year when Chantal Black, who was not considered the favorite at all, when she escaped, you didn't see Van der Bregen chasing her down or anything like that, where it was a direct betrayal of team tactics. And I don't yeah. see why we would not see that again this year. Yeah, I, I think that is going to be the case and i you know i would have to imagine like this is her year to finally win it yeah i would think uh the only way uh, someone from outside the netherlands is going to win this would be they have to make the other teams have to make it as hard as possible and then maybe someone with incredible talent like amanda spratt can get away but if you don't split up this dutch team one of them is gonna is gonna win this (laughs) It's crazy to think that's how powerful the Dutch are right now. Like that, the Dutch are the team. Like so (laughs) much so, and it'll be exciting to see. Anyway, hopefully, it is. There's a there's a dark horse out there. Okay, who do you think is a dark horse? Uh, To me, Amanda Spratt is kind of the top name I would think of. Yeah, Uh, she had uh, she led, I believe, the Giro Rosa early on. Uh, she's got a decent team uh, coming from Australia. Okay, okay. So Australia um, to be the the dark horse candidate. Yeah, I'm completely spacing on the the great Canadian from on the Quick Step team. I can't remember her name now, but uh, if if the other teams make a mistake and don't press it really hard and don't make it quite as hard of a race. If uh, she can stick around with the Dutch women, she might have the fastest kick, and maybe she can uh, she can take the title that way. Okay, and okay. that would come all da- completely down to tactics. Well, I mean, if they're, I mean, if they leave any room for error, we'll see something you know miraculous happen. But if this team is as coached and as focused as it is for this one moment. I don't know if there's a if there's anyone who's gonna kind of shake it up, but Australia is your guess. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, if it's not a Dutch woman, I think Amanda Spratt would be the name to watch out for. Okay, okay. Right, and then let's uh, finish off with the men's road race. This one is a bit more wide open than the women's where we're expecting a Dutch powerhouse. But uh, the incredibly hard nature of the race does narrow down the list a bit more than than you would expect from a standard world championship race where you could legitimately write 35 names or so as contenders. Yeah. So I think uh, Julian Alaphilippe is probably... I think he's the better's favorite at this moment. Yeah. He had an incredible tour to France, incredible tour to California. His coach... Um, has been talking for years that this guy has the most talent in the world, and he was finally able to rein it in this year and actually focus it and use it productively. Now, but I wonder if this course might just be too hard for him, and it might go to much more of a pure climber. Yeah. Now, who, I guess, would you think would be the person to kind of, dis- to, uh, be the person if not Alphalete. Uh, so if you start running through the pure climber road, you got uh, guys like the Yates brothers, probably yeah. Adam, he'll probably be fresher would be my guess, but Simon Yates is always a possibility. We just saw Miguel Angel Lopez in the yeah. Vuelta, certainly a possibility. Okay, okay. So those are the climbers that would kind of really shake up the, the Alphalete's kind of I guess kind of uh, yeah. If they make it really hard, like to me, it, it all depends on how hard the how fast the race ends up going. Oh, okay, okay. Because if it really gets hard, then you get the the climbers who really don't have much of a sprint kick. But you got guys like uh, Richie Porte or Vincenzo Nibali. If they can make it just so hard that they ride away and stay away, that's how they would win that race. Yeah. Or perhaps if Alaphilippe falters. You always have his teammate, Roman Bardet. There is going to be... The descent has been described as extremely technical. Yeah. And Roman Bardet is one of the best descenders in the world. So yes. it's hard enough that Alaphilippe gets dropped. I th- certainly think Roman Bardet is a, a possibility. Okay, so, I mean, you talked about Roman Bardet in the, in the Tour de France being just unbelievable at his descents. And, like, you know, like, there's no fear in this man. So yeah, like he's at the top echelon along with Vincenzo Nibali as far as the pure climbers go. Yeah. If if he's alone in a small group, I think he can certainly pull away. Okay, okay. Well, and uh, a couple of a uh, couple of outsiders I just wanted to mention, Dan Martin. I think he would have been an outright favorite. Yeah. In most years. But he just had twins just a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> oh no! New baby twins. So I congratulations, don't know. but oh no! <laughs> <laughs> I've never had a kid. Um, can you remember how you felt physically the first couple of weeks after you had a kid? Would uh, you be ready to win a bike race? Um, uh, first couple of weeks, I feel <laughs> like you would have to like not focus on your kid at all. <laughs> Because it does take a lot out of you. It takes a lot. There's so much emotion. You know, you don't have... You uh, you were focusing on only kids at that point. So 
to think that you're just going to turn around and hop on a bike and do the best you can do or even you know in my case a football field would be kind of crazy to think that it would be my best showing after <laughs> my child's birth but you know hey so maybe not the best bet there yeah a hundred percent there so i mean my guess is that that's going to be a huge a factor there all right and one last outsider i want to mention uh the canadian uh michael woods coming off a great last week of the vuelta i think unfortunately the tricky descent that i mentioned will probably knock him out of the running he's not a very good descender yeah a little gun shy but uh certainly a possibility he has he has the climbing legs on a single day to climb with anyone in the world well i mean maybe cleaned up that descent a little bit better and is ready for this moment but you know descending is a big part of it and if you're not a hundred percent confident you're gonna lose some time all right let's finish this off with a prediction who do you got winning the men's road race world championship I'm going to go with one of the Yates brothers, Simon. All right. Oh, Simon Yates. All right. Yeah, but it was Simon. I'm going to stick with Roman Bardet. I think it's going to be a little too tough for uh, Alaphilippe to stick with the big group. Yeah. And I think that Tricky Descent will be perfect for Bardet. Okay, okay. Bardet. Yates. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I feel like my odds are a little bit worse than your odds. So uh, put your money down on Kevin's because <laughs> I'm the one. I'm always the one. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, sliding over to the newest sport, eSports. Um, Overwatch World Championship. Fill us in. Yeah, so we saw the last round of 24. This was the European Championships, and we saw a very strong performance from the French team. Yes. They won all their matches and most of their games. They look really strong. Yeah, and, well, I mean, that was the closest one we've seen, too. So. Yeah, you had uh, France just ahead of the United Kingdom and the Dutch. Yes, so, I mean, what are we looking at this time around? Anything close are we seeing... So, I think what we saw was the French team is clearly the strongest. Yeah. And then, to me, like it was United Kingdom, Dutch, Germany, Italy. Yeah. Poland at the bottom. Italy and Poland, I'm not sure if they're quite at the rest of the level. But I think uh, Germany, uh, Netherlands, and United Kingdom are all legitimate teams that you'd have to, I think you'd have to consider. You have to factor them in there to kind of be yeah. those teams that could come out of the blue and win. I mean... If you think about uh, the Overwatch championship that happened before, the teams that were in there were teams that weren't the most successful during the season. They were, Yeah, they were the ones that got hot. Yeah, they got hot at the right time. They're doing all the right work and everything that kind of needed to be done. So you got to kind of look out for those middle-of-the-pack kind of dark horse teams to, you know, figure it out and do a little bit better uh, training and kind of just get hot at the right time, and maybe there's a team to look out for. Yeah, I think you're right. So the top four teams in each division will move on now. Uh, we, The schedule is, as of yet, not announced. Yeah, but, I uh, mean... It will be the same sort of format, I do believe. Yeah, so, I mean, I will get to kind of see those top teams 
kind of clash and you know uh, it'll be crazy to see maybe there's a team that can make Korea kind of that's a big, it's kind of like bit. college football it's all <laughs> everybody's watching watching the big dog and you're watching the other teams can they take down the big dog which in this case is definitely the South Koreans yeah the South Koreans are unbelievable and hopefully hopefully we can see some some crazy work done by other teams so that we at least get a show, but you got to kind of put your money down on South Korea to kind of be the team to beat. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, sliding over to Fortnite, uh, the fall skirmish. Uh, they've done something kind of crazy here. Yeah. So they've switched it up. I think this is a big, uh, big, improvement they've made over the summer skirmish okay where they've added clubs they've added five clubs to the group and then they added uh to these five clubs the way i saw it described was as um houses in harry potter okay so okay. you're all you're, you're picked up and you're drafted into these five clubs got you and then you get a certain amount of points depending on where you finish Okay. Uh, finish that w- that week. So, for example, this week the top finisher gets uh, three hundred and five points. Yeah. In addition to sixty seven thousand dollars. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, that's nice. That's. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you want the money, but you definitely want the points as well because the way it's going to work is the team with the most points at the end of the six week skirmish gets a four million dollar prize. Wow. Yeah. So definitely, yeah. the points are more important there. Four million is a little bit more than sixty-seven thousand. That's for sure. Yeah, that's definitely enough to get your attention. Okay, and how many uh, players are there in each club? Is it like mind-boggling or just a few? Um. So at the moment they have nine, I believe it is. Okay. Okay. So ten. No, sorry, ten on each club. Okay, so ten on each club. I mean that. I kind of is an exciting way to split up four million dollars. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, that's definitely a good chunk of change you're still keeping in your pocket. Exactly. So, I mean, you got to kind of want to, of course, succeed daily because there's a little bit of money to be made. But it's definitely that $4 million is your big incentive. And the club idea is kind of really cool. It creates kind of a really unique situation for yeah, these teams. Yeah, it gives you something to cheer for, I think, much more than the fall, the summer skirmish had. Exactly. I mean, I, and it's a cool idea. I mean, I kind of didn't, ex- you didn't really expect it because you thought maybe the summer scrimmage figured out that uh, last, you know, run was the way they were going to run this whole fall scrimmage, you know, this whole. Yeah. And and they are still definitely in, the, they're trying things out. Yeah. And I think that's uh, the coolest part is that, I mean, they are still young enough that they can try out all these crazy things. So we'll see here. And then we're going to have, you know, the winter skirmish. And then maybe we step into the spring skirmish. Or do we just hop right into like a world championship where we start seeing the exact same thing as maybe a Overwatch. Yeah, and they have been trying all sorts of things. So they're doing the hold the throne uh, duos that we saw multiple times in the summer skirmish. Yes. But they've added they've added something this time that they call squad goals. Yes. Which is a great name. Which is... <laughs> so they're just um, the highest amount of eliminations in a single match from your entire club. All goes into it. And whoever gets the most eliminations 
gets a $45,000 prize, and more importantly, 325 club points. Okay, well, I mean, this is this is really cool. It's really cool to kind of see the money, but the points is like the big thing. Like, it, it kind of makes it so it isn't like, hey, dollar amount, hey, dollar amount. It's like, hey, there's something more, and I think that's a yeah. really good idea. Yeah, it'll get more people, it'll get the casual fan that's coming in from, oh, I, you know, my favorite NBA team or my favorite NHL team isn't playing right now. Yeah. And I do, hey, you know, these guys are, these guys have 675 points to the Dusty Dogs, 582, I want to look and see how this goes. Yeah, exactly. And I think the kind of the cool part about it is that you never had, did you sit down and go, wow. Sidney Crosby made a lot of money this game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. You you went, wow, like he had an unbelievable amount of points. He was really successful. And I think that's kind of what the point system does. And that's a really good idea. Yeah, the big money I think is important, especially at the start, so that people realize this is serious. Yeah. If you put your time into it, it'll still be around. Of course, of course. Um, but yeah, like you said, eventually... Yeah, you want to know how many goals Sidney Crosby had, not how much money Sidney Crosby made. Exactly. So, I mean, hopefully that this does a big jump for their sport and people really kind of get into this. If you get a chance, check it out. It is really cool. And, yeah, the ability of these players are kind of unbelievable. And the amount of people that are playing Fortnite in the world, odds are you may have played a game or two. It's really worth checking out to see the top-level guys doing what they do. And maybe, hey, maybe you're one of the top-level guys you just didn't yeah. know. Yeah, the, this is a fairly open setup. You can try to get in if you think you got the skills. Exactly. So, you know, put that work in and maybe one day we'll see you playing and we get to shout you out. So, you know, check it out. It's really cool. All right, I think that is going to wrap up the podcast for this week. Yeah, uh, it was a great job today and I'm super excited. I also want us to give a shout out to you for having a birthday uh you know happy birthday <laughs> didn't realize you're older than me i don't know why i thought you were born after me to but to be fair i also have to wish you a happy birthday because our birthdays are quite close together exactly so this is the happy birthday cast uh thank you for listening <laughs> no uh yeah man uh happy birthday and thank you guys for listening and hope you guys Keep on enjoying it. Let us know if you think we're doing a bad job or a good job on our social media. Don't be afraid to hurt our feelings. We love to get our feelings hurt. So (laughs) (laughs) take it easy, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye.